If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. It can't just be now, though. It can't just be once and done. It can't just be a trend that's happening. It has to be a long-term evolution, and it has to be a cultural shift across the world. What does it take to scale our positive impacts through business? What are millennials craving today, and how can this actually drive conversations and choices related to sustainability? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. Now, I want to take a quick momental to remind you that I'm personally writing and sending out quick highlights from the podcast every Sunday. I'd love to be able to share my inspirations with you. If this sounds like it'd be helpful, you can head to greendreamer.com to sign up. And now on to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the founder and CEO of United by Blue, which is an outdoor brand focused on ocean and waterway conservation. He started this in 2010, and today you can find their products in more than a thousand outlets in their physical stores in Philadelphia and Manhattan, and also online at unitedbyblue.com. For every product sold, United by Blue removes one pound of trash from our world's oceans and waterways through company-organized cleanups that we can actually also participate in. And because of the success of their business, they've also been able to scale up their conservation efforts. To date, they've removed more than one million pounds of trash from our world's waterways, which is really, that's huge. So let's learn from his expertise on how he made all of these things possible. Green Dreamer starting off with what inspired his passion for the environment. Here's Brian Linton. My passion for the environment stems from my interest in the aquatic world. Um, growing up in Southeast Asia and Singapore, I was always really interested in, in tropical fish, uh, raising and breeding fish. And so my interest in sustainability stems from the fact that when you raise fish, you have to you have to be aware of the water qualities and you really I mean fish fish can't live in a dirty fish tank and and likewise the world 
you know, fish in the ocean and fish in the, in the rivers can't live in a dirty stream or ocean. So really at the fundamental basics of my interest was my love for fish. And that sort of led me to conservation activities. Yeah. And what was something shocking you learned that just made you feel like you wanted to dedicate your career towards this? I, I never really knew much about the actual statistics or anything like that when I was growing up in regards to how much trash was in the oceans or, 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 or waterways. I just knew from firsthand experience when I would travel, uh, Singapore is a small island nation. So you, you tend to bounce around a little bit around Southeast Asia and you see really the good, the bad and the ugly when it comes to the oceans. And I remember one instance where I was learning how to scuba dive and I was learning how to scuba dive in, in the waters off, off of Singapore. And Singapore is the, the cleanest country in the world. It's pristine. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. But the actual ocean around it is is really in bad shape. And that's from all the human activity, shipping lanes and everything like that. And so I remember reaching out in one of my first dives ever and not being able to see my hand and not seeing any life, nothing. And so so the idea that, you know, in my mind all along was, wow, this is like this water is really, really dirty. You, you, you really don't go to the beach in Singapore. It's like a city. And when you go in the water, you realize just how polluted some of these areas are. Yeah. And what do you think were the biggest pollutants? Is it uh, like plastic or like what was it that made the water kind of not very lively? So in that specific instance, it wasn't necessarily plastics. It was more so the water was just very polluted with all the tankers that surround Singapore and all the all the shipping uh, ships that basically dump all their sewage. And, you know, it was just very you could just tell that it was just a, a very dead part of the ocean. And it was due to just the water being so polluted. On the flip side, I've had plenty of instances where I've also been exposed early on in life to plastics in, in the ocean. One of my early memories about that was kayaking in Thailand. And one side of this, this island that I went to was so polluted, so covered with plastics, plastic bags, fishing nets, fishing lines, bottles that you could barely see the sand. And I remember picking up seashells on that beach because there was actually a lot of seashells and they were all tangled in the trash. And so I, I had this one seashell that was so tangled because it was a very spiny seashell and it was so tangled in this plastic that I literally couldn't get all of the the trash off of it, all the plastic off of it. So for the rest of my childhood, I had that seashell in my room and it still had plastic trash on it. So even even back, you know, this was I mean, it's not that long ago, but it's 2000 and probably 2002, 2003. And nobody was really talking about the issues of single use plastics in the ocean, but I was experiencing them firsthand. Yeah. And then what was your journey that led you to starting United by Blue? So when I came to the U.S. for college, so my my parents are American. I'm, I'm an American, but I, I spent my entire early life, 18, 19 years growing up in Asia. And then when I came to the U.S. finally, I was very, I, I didn't fit in right away. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. So I spent most of my first year just brainstorming, figuring out what I wanted to do. And it became evident to me that I wanted to do something for the oceans. I, I originally wanted to be a marine biologist. Then I, then I sort of flipped it into, you know, well, I, I actually love business and sales. I grew up breeding fish, but also selling them. I, you know, had all sorts of business activities that I didn't really know at the time I was doing business, but I was. So I started wanting to, to create something that I could, I could sell a product, but I wanted to integrate some type of conservation aspect to it. So I started a brand in 2006 and that brand's 
that brand's premise was to donate 5% of proceeds to ocean conservation. And it was a resort merchandise brand and the predecessor to United by Blue. And essentially, in my entrepreneurial infancy, that was the logical way to do good. It was to give money away. That's what you learn growing up. You know, if you donate to a good cause, good will be done. And although that's true for a certain extent, uh, to a certain extent, it's not necessarily the most effective way, in my opinion, to do good because you're ultimately out of control and you're not the one you're not the one having a concrete impact on anything. You're covering overhead. You're doing a whole bunch of other things, but maybe that the good that's ultimately accomplished is minimal, especially when you're donating such a small amount. So my my journey into United by Blue and, and all the cleanups and conservation activities that we do were, were based upon early learnings that I thought that donating money was the logical way, but I realized that I wasn't really having any impact or a tangible impact. So I crafted a new model, United by Blue, that was based upon having a tangible concrete impact on oceans and waterways through building all of the infrastructure for that good under one roof. And can you share some insights with your cleanup projects? Like how do you just decide where to clean up or how did you crystallize that plan? The plan is anchored around the idea and ideals of community. So with United by Blue, we're, we're all about being united. And, and a big part of our, our community is the distribution of our products. So we started as a wholesale business and we still have about a thousand different retailers around the world that carry United by Blue products on any given day. So they're out there selling our products and those are all touch points for us in these communities. So the, the scale of United by Blue is not just about the units and the dollars that we sell, but it's also the touch points in these different communities that we have. So all of these different retail partners, in theory, can also become cleanup partners. And we're the ones that do all the heavy lifting and organization and work uh, for organizing cleanups, but they're the ones that have a physical presence in those towns and those cities across the world that can then help recruit volunteers and create a community event around it. So we go out, you know, we're ultimately the ones that we take trips, the, we have a, a crew right now on the road, traveling around the entire United States, meeting up with all our retailers, doing cleanups, working with volunteers, all of that funded and supported by the business that we've created. And, um, our, 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 um, site choices and our locations that we're cleaning up are based upon where we have distribution. Okay. So they're basically everywhere then. They're all over the United States and potentially global. Yeah, for sure. So just to give some context to that, we've picked up over a million pounds of trash to date in the first eight years. This year alone, we'll pick up 500,000 pounds of trash. So it took us eight years to pick up a million pounds. It'll take us one year to pick up 500,000. And then next year we're on pace based upon our projections to be at a million pounds next year alone. So by the end of next year, we'll be at 2.5. And right now we're at one. So the scale of what we're doing has increased drastically because of the success of the business. And we've covered, as of now, probably about 30 US states. But by the end of the summer, we'll have covered all 48 lower states in the United States, as well as our first cleanup in Europe, which is in a couple weeks. For sure. And so United by Blue, it's growing exponentially. What do you think has been your personal biggest challenge as you're building up this company? I think the challenges are constantly evolving. The challenges of yesterday are not always the challenges of today. And I would I would say that early on, just to, to give some context to it, early on, the challenges were about balancing the environmental side with the business side. I was super passionate and I am super passionate about what we do on the cleanup side of things. But early on, we didn't really have a business that could support it. So I was 
we were, we were at like a three to four X in terms of trash that we were collecting versus products that we were selling. So in that sense, we weren't being very smart about running a sustainable long-term business. We were, we were going to burn ourselves out both financially as well as just the efforts that the efforts weren't balanced. The business is very much such that the business has to work as a business and, and then the business is what funds our environmental work. We can't have it the other way around because then we would have to be reliant upon donations and, you know, grants and everything else. So the beauty of the model is that by focusing on the fundamentals of creating a business, we're able to have a long-term lasting impact. So I had to get that right first. I had to really learn what it is to run a business and, and then use the business to have an impact. I think now we're at a point where the scale is such that, you know, we've brought on a lot of new people. We have a great team, but ultimately, you know, in my position now, it's, it's figuring out the team dynamics and how to continue to grow this business and the environmental side while keeping people passionate and excited about everything that we're doing, which is a lot. So I would say that the people side of things is, is a consistent challenge. And it's also one of the things that I like the most as well, because it's, it's, again, it goes back to the idea of community and creating not only a community with our customers, but a community within our team. For sure. And for you, through all of these various challenges that really evolve um, as the company grows, what is it that keeps you going personally? What keeps me personally going is is very much I love I just love the brand. I, I, I really do. I, I you know, I'm 100 percent wearing the brand today. I, I will 100, be 100 percent wearing the brand tomorrow. I <laughs> I, I, I really personally I, I love what we've created, what the team has made. And I get I get really excited about it when I see it out in the wild, uh, when I see people at cleanups, you know, when I'm just a participant at a United by Blue cleanup and sort of in the background, I love, I love to see people talking about the brand, getting excited about it, being inspired by it at the end of the day. Like we can't really, you know, we can't, um, take credit for solving this issue of single use plastics. We're a bandaid to the, to this massive issue, but what's going to, what's going to solve it or what's going to ultimately cure our oceans and our waterways is people talking about it and people going out and, and going back to their communities and educating their friends about what they experienced at a cleanup, changing their behaviors, changing their family behaviors. And I think that United by Blue is a part of that is, is one small piece of that, of that evolution and that change. And even in the last eight, nine years since starting United by Blue, I've seen the awareness level skyrocket. Even in the last year, it's been phenomenal to see just how many organizations and celebrities and people that are that are focused on this issue, this issue that I've cared about my entire life. And really, especially even when we started United by Blue, I don't I don't feel like anybody was talking about it. But now seeing that change is what really inspires me. For sure. And today, like you said, United by Blue can be found in more than 1,000 outlets nationally, in addition to your stores in Philadelphia, Manhattan, and online. And you've also removed more than 1 million pounds of trash. So first of all, thank you for everything that you and your team has done. It's truly inspiring. Um, and I'm curious to hear, what do you think has been key to United by Blue's continuous and tremendous growth and it being able to really establish itself within the sustainability space? I would credit a lot of our growth to a few things. One, one of them is that we are focused on the being an out, we're an outdoor brand. We're an outdoor apparel and accessories brand. And there's, there's a, 
there's a level of awareness and love for the outdoors that I haven't ever seen before in, in this younger generation that we target, you know, the, the, the so-called millennial generation. And so this target demographic that we, that we speak to and that we sell to is the more, more urban than any other generation in, in recent history. A lot of people, you know, have moved back to the cities and, and they're, and they're living in urban environments. And in, in doing so, there's this romantic nostalgia of the outdoors and, and this true sort of like love and desire to be in the outdoors, even though they're, they want to live in the cities right now. And so, so being an outdoor brand an urban outdoor brand, you know, we're based in Philadelphia ourselves. We really speak to this this nostalgia, this, this rom- romance of the outdoors. And I think that that's one component of it. We're, we're creating a brand that's just super relevant for what people care about right now, health and fitness, things like hiking and camping and all of those activities are just core to a lot of people's life. But also that, you know, we're speaking beyond even the cleanup side. The sustainability side is, is, is not just about our cleanups. It's about, it's about the entire brand, the entire company. And, our products are made with some of the most sustainable materials out there, not, not just organic cotton or recycled polyester and, you know, natural fibers like, like any other sustainability brand would, would have, but also things that are pushing the boundaries of sustainability a little bit like American bison fiber, which we, we're, we've spearheaded a new supply chain of shearing and cleaning and processing fiber into innovative products like socks and jacket insulation, things that are sustain, sustainable down alternatives for like outerwear. And, and these are things that, really put us in a leadership position in people's minds and create true advocacy around the brand. So I think that United by Blue is is basically perfectly positioned for this modern millennial consumer and and the results are showing itself through the sales and and ultimately through the pounds of trash that we're able to pick up. For sure. Well, I'm a huge fan of United by Blue myself. I have one of your backpacks that's made of recycled plastic bottles. Um, so I definitely, I can feel that your brand is really thoughtful, not just in terms of like the cleaning up trash, but also thoughtful in terms of all of your product developments. And like you said, you're spearheading some of these things that are new even to the sustainable fashion and lifestyle space. What is or was one of the most difficult outdoor apparel products to make greener in your experience? It's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I would say that one of the most difficult products to make greener are anything technical, any, anything that that's going to require technical functions that are beyond what natural fibers can provide. There's nothing really sustainable about synthetics compared to natural fibers. And so when you make technical garments, oftentimes you're, you're faced with the use of synthetics. So you can use recycled polyester instead of virgin polyester, but you still have the problem of microfiber pollution that, you know, when you wash those garments and then get into the water chain and everything like that. So, so we have those issues that, that are very challenging and troubling for us, but you also have the, the challenge of being an outdoor brand and needing to create technical garments in order to actually perform. And performance is important because if you're not performing with a product, it's being thrown away and that's just as wasteful and, and pollutive as making things that, you know, aren't sustainable. So quality is super important because, and performance because longevity is a big part of sustainability as well. Um, you also have issues with like DWR. So if you want to have anything that's water wicking or waterproof, you have chemical treatments often that give it that performance, which have implications from a sustainability side, but then you have the same issue with performance. So, so for us, it's always balancing those. It's, it's figuring out what is the current 
sustainable alternative for these functions that we want to do? And what can we do better? And, and pushing those boundaries, working with our vendors and our suppliers to say, well, why can't we do it with recycled? Why can't we do it with this material? Why can't we achieve that pr- that property without using this material and things like that? So I would say that anything is in the technical performance area is always bigger conversation about what should we be wary of and where do we need to push the boundaries? Have you seen, I guess, innovations on the horizon in terms of helping to make technical products that are both maybe with natural fiber, so there's not the issue of microplastic pollution, but also still high performance? Yeah. I I mean, I think that every year it it seems like things are getting better and people are progressing and the industry is progressing in a good way. Like one thing that we're a part of is the bison fiber aspect of it. So, so we've made a insulation for jackets that is a blend of recycled polyester and bison fiber as opposed to down or a hundred percent polyester insulation. So that's using a, a natural fiber that's being created by by animals that are being raised for the meat industry. The bison meat industry is the, one of the faster growing meat industries um, due to this sort of the, the natural and healthy properties of bison compared to cattle. But it's not sustainable in the sense that everything else is wasted. So all this fiber is being discarded and there's no real, there's no historical use for it. So we've, we've stepped in and we've started to shear bison and we've taken this fiber and diverted it from landfills and are now putting it into jackets instead of the non-sustainable alternatives. So that's one example. I, I would say that on the industry side of things, there's definitely a lot of research that's going into how do you use a material like polyester with plastic pollution. And, you know, I was just talking to some companies the other day about that. And there's, there's some things that are in development that are probably going to be out in the next couple of years that will allow brands like United by Blue to use polyester without worrying about the poly bits coming out and 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 being polluted to to our waterways. Yeah. And like we mentioned earlier, uh, with so much media coverage of plastic pollution in the recent months, I feel like the world definitely is becoming more and more aware. Uh, consumers are trying to be more conscious with their purchases and businesses are also seeing the economic opportunities within sustainability. What do you see as our biggest challenge now in terms of fighting plastic pollution and just pollution in our waters in general? I think that anybody just call out as it is, is, is probably sugarcoating it, but it's really, it's really single use plastics. It's the idea that plastics are not innately bad, but single use plastics are. And this amazing, you know, material that man created is now being abused. And so the, the single largest problem is our overuse and overdependence upon single use plastics when frankly, it's really not needed. And so we have to work as human race around the world to curb that use and to and to use sustainable alternatives and to sort of take take a step back and say like why 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 do we have to put all of this in plastic so to me it's a very simple that's a simple explanation to a bigger cultural global issue but it's the single use plastic issue mm-hmm. and how do you think we can most quickly address this issue I would say that policy is is probably in, you know, governments being involved is, is probably the best way because, you know, changing laws can change. I don't think we can really depend on that too much. I think that the, the bigger thing is really a that awareness that's happening right now. Again, it's been you, you've experienced it yourself. It's amazing to see how much awareness and how much publicity every day 
I'm seeing something in the news about plastics, you know, those those things matter. They they, they do. They 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 make people think twice and they change behavior. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if over the last few months, several million people around the world have decided to to do use these plastics. So it can't just be now, though. It can't just be once and done. It can't just be a trend that's happening. It has to be a long term evolution and it has to be a cultural shift across the world. So basically continued awareness across the globe, consumers driving this because consumer awareness will hopefully encourage businesses across the board to make changes. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I, I think that ultimately it, it's a blend of consumer and business driven. And then if government can get involved when the time is right, when they when they can get their act together and, and, and actually you know address something like this, that can be helpful as well. But it definitely has to be driven by you know, that sort of community driven awareness that we're a part of and, you know, publications that talk about it, you're a part of by having a podcast that, you know, is talking about sustainability and everything like that. For sure. Well, what's an upcoming project for United by Blue that we can look forward to and support? Well, we have always a lot going on with cleanup. So at any at any given time on our website, unitedbyblue.com, you can find our list of cleanups on the cleanups page. So Right now, over the course of the summer and into the fall, we have uh, cleanups almost every week, sometimes multiple times a week. Um, I would also say that as we go into the later part of the year, we always have a lot of new exciting product launches. Like I talked about the bison fiber, we have some really new and innovative and sustainable products that are utilizing that fiber. So I would definitely keep an eye out for that, as well as, you know, just uh if you're ever in Philadelphia or New York, we have stores that are not just stores. They're really about being a part of the community. So they have cafes and food and beverage component to it. So, you know, definitely stop by one of those. Awesome. And can anyone join one of your cleaner projects? Yes, they can. They're, they're open to the public. Um, you sign up online just so we know that you're coming and, uh, and they're super fun. We do games, we do prizes. It's really about having a, a fun time outdoors while doing good. Awesome. So we can find all this information on unitedbyblue.com. And where can we follow you on social media? So United by Blue, you can go to at United by Blue um, for Instagram. Same thing for Facebook and Twitter. Before we go into our final five, I just wanted to tell you that I am so grateful for you and all that you do. I mean, you're here tuning in to learn how you can help our planet thrive personally and professionally and bring more harmony and connection to this world. Green Dreamer, you inspire me, and I can't wait to see what you're going to make happen for yourself and for our world. It's so exciting. As always, feel welcome to share what you're working on or your biggest wins as of late with me on Instagram at Kamea Shane or through email at hello at greendreamer.com. But for now, on to our final five and key takeaways. Let's power through. What's an inspiring publication or a social media account you follow? Oh, ooh, that's a tough one. I would say right now, it's it's really National Geographic. It's it's the most followed Instagram account out there, but it's just inundated right now with, with awareness on plastics. Mm-hmm. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? I really don't tell myself anything. I, I think I just get inspired by the things that I see, like I mentioned earlier, like people at cleanups or people wearing our products. Those are things that, that inspire me and keep me motivated. And what's one must do for your health, either daily or weekly? I really love kombucha. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking that every day. We have it on tap at our, at our place in Philadelphia. And uh, that, that coupled with biking 
are my are my two go to health health things right now. And what's one simple action we can take this week for our planet's health? I have one instance this week where you reduce your single use plastics. It could be uh, not taking a plastic bag at store, not using a straw. Uh, it's really simple. And all it takes is a little bit of awareness. What makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? I think this love of the outdoors, this, this people, people truly do love being outdoors and this health. And there's this, this mentality around being healthy, being active that gets me excited. It makes me feel like we're going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? No matter what you do, um, sustainability and, and, and making, you know, smart buying decisions about being sustainable is you don't have to overthink it. There's a lot of easy ways for people to be to shift their lifestyle and shift, shift their behaviors for the positive without having any really negative impact to your life. So really just think about those small things, start small, and ultimately you'll see the shift. Start small and you'll start seeing the shift. Green Dreamer, here are my two key takeaways. Number one, if we're wanting to be entrepreneurs using business as a force for good, using business to drive the positive impacts that we want to have, we have to learn how to balance giving out of pure passion with fundamentally understanding how business works and getting the business part of our work down first or just as soon as possible to be able to support the do-good part of the equation. Number two, keep talking about topics you're passionate about. Awareness has to come before change. So if we want global change, we also need continued global awareness. And every time you speak up or just bring these topics up to your friends, you're making a meaningful difference just by doing that alone. So keep at it. And there, that's a wrap for this episode. You can find the show notes at greendreamer.com slash 34. Get in touch with me on Instagram at Kamea Shane and feel welcome to email me at hello at greendreamer.com with feedback on what I can do to improve this listening experience for you or how I can make this show more helpful to you. And finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and Green Dreamer, I will catch you later.